Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. In the Gun, episode number 99. Ah, the penultimate episode before we hit the century mark here on your new favorite WVU football podcast. I am Wesley Euler. You are in the gun, and I've got the best teammates in the business. We got the runaway beer truck down the sideline. Big Owen Schmidt. He's charged up and ready to go tonight. And, of course, the signal caller. Very professional and dapper, as always, Mr. Jed Drenning. And we all know this episode of ITG brought to you in part by our friends at Bet Online, where the game starts. We have got a little double dip episode for you here, as it's a weird week, right, with the Mountaineers playing on a Thursday. So we're going to kind of combine what we normally do in two separate episodes. We'll recap our Big 12 picks from last week, give you our picks for this week, this week six, no, week seven, it'll be, right, edition of college football um and then obviously we will talk about the mountaineers and the cougs down in houston on thursday night so so much to get to here on icg uh jed let's start with the recap how did we do with our big 12 picks last week uh let's go with this first let's remind everybody that uh, we once again put the link up the link yep. is up at uh, our twitter account at uh, in the gun podcast on twitter uh we're all retweeting it so take part the numbers keep growing each week we'll get to it here in a bit but we had another listener another viewer hit three out of four so that's two weeks in a row but we still everybody go four for four the legend's not there yet but Wes I like I think I've said this before because you've used this word before I love squeezing penultimate into an episode penultimate that means second to last what is third to last I think I've asked you this before do you remember I think you have asked me this before, and I'm drawing a blank right now as you put me on the spot. So for those who are still awake at home and listening, uh, now that we've had our grammar lesson and our vocabulary (laughs) lesson, we're going to get into our our results from last week. I picked Signal Caller of the Week, the uh, Big 12 team to throw for the most yards. I picked uh, Oklahoma to throw for the most yards. They did not. Texas, in a losing effort in Red River, threw for 371 as a team. Baylor in a losing effort threw for 324. The Oklahoma Sooners in a winning effort threw for 285 to finish number three in the standings to award me to warrant excuse me award me a much needed. Oh and give it up. Oh and give it up for Jed. Please please stand. He's on the board. He's on the board, baby. He's on the board. Please stand. Owen picked the beer truck of the week, the Big 12 offense to rush as a team for the most yards. He picked Kansas State. Always a solid choice. They did not finish number one. Kansas finished number one, 399 yards. They gashed UCF to rush for the most in the Big 12. But Kansas, in this surprising losing effort in Stillwater, I'll tell you what, a lot of that was by Will Howard. Will Howard had a big day running. Kansas State ran for 220 yards. So Owen finishes at number two in our scoring system. That is good for four points. Again, first place is seven. Second, excuse me. Yeah, second place is four, third place is three. There we go. Hey, Wes. I'm coming for you, brother. I'm coming for you. You gained on him. You gained on him because here we go. Wes picked the Big 12 scoring defense. Now, we'll get to the fact that he decided to make a bold pick. He switched it up. Hold the old switcheroo, man. Bad well, good, news, good news is both of my picks That's stuck, right. so I don't, have any, I don't anyway. have any buyers. I don't have any buyers. Bad move, though. Always go with your gut. Bold move. Bold move there. Bold move there, Cotton. Big okay. loser both ways. <laughs> okay, so you picked Texas to allow the fewest points. Actually, what happened in Big 12 play, two teams allowed 14 points. Iowa State, here come the clones. And Texas Tech, where they blew out Baylor on the road. Texas Tech solved the road woes. So those are the two teams that allowed the fewest points. Third fewest allowed by Oklahoma State. Uh, let's see here. In a win, 29-21. Again, surprising Cowboys win. They came off the bye. Phil Steele called it. Guys, he told us that was going to happen. Speaking of Phil Steele. Uh, Kansas finished number four, allowing 22 points. TCU allowed 27 points to finish number five. So, Wes, you finished outside the top five. You finished at number eight with the 34 points allowed by Texas. So, and zero points awarded. Moving on to Skyler, 
Skyler, you picked the Big 12's top scoring offense. You selected TCU on the road, under the lights, at Jack Trice Stadium. Didn't work out. Where dreams go to die. Yes, they do. Been there and witnessed that a couple times, and it's not fun. Uh, very unheralded place to play in the Big 12. Tough venue. The most points scored by a Big 12 offense this past weekend, the Kansas Jayhawks with 51 points. The Texas Tech Red Raiders at Baylor, 39 points. Oklahoma and Red River with 34 in the big win over Texas. Texas in the loss scored 30. Iowa State in that win scored 29. So Skyler, and this is where it got interesting, finished in a 10th place tie. But since there were only five games this week, there were only 10 teams. Mm. So he finished in last place, getting docked one point for the one point penalty of last place. And no, that's how things went this past week. Now let's get to our viewers. Once again, these numbers continue to climb. Now I'm trying to read this on the fly. I'm going to give a shout out to those who got at least two picks right, because it, I'll tell you what, you get one right. That's more than any of us got, right? So to get two right deserves a shout out, starting with Keith Richardson. Keith Richardson got two right. Brock Melko got two right. Well, didn't we mention Brock Melko last week? I think we right? did. That sounds familiar. Sounds familiar. Uh, he got two right. Charles Peterson got two right. Uh, moving on down the list, again, thank you to Will Gregory for making my life easy and categorizing these things the way that he does. Dwayne Boone got two right. Uh, moving on down, Tom Unger got two right. Congratulations to Tom Unger. Looks like Mark Jones got two right. And moving down to the bottom of the list, okay, because we have three right. So our quasi-champion. And this is the second week in a row that we've had a listener slash viewer get two right, which is incredible when you think of how difficult this really is. Eric Bauer got three right. He picked Kansas as the top rushing offense, nailed it. They ran for 399. He picked uh, Texas Tech as the uh, defense. They, they were one of the two teams that did so. He picked Kansas as the offense. They dropped the 51 spot on UCF. He missed the most difficult of all things to pick, the passing offense. He missed that. Uh, <laughs> he missed the TC. He picked TCU. Uh, so he was on the same page Scholar was. But uh, I get shout out to Eric Bauer. I, I asked for a picture at this juncture. We don't have it. If we get it between now and the time that Scholar puts this in post-production, we'll throw it up on the screen for eight to 10 seconds. And, and uh, while we give Eric Bauer the shout out. But once again, you guys continue to do this. This is making this even more fun than it was last year. Of course, it hasn't been fun to date for me. Uh, last year, this year, anytime it hasn't been fun. <laughs> but at least it's more engaging. And when you guys get involved, some of these choices are, like I said, you guys with two of these things right, much less three of these things right. It's impressive. Whoever becomes the ITG legend, we say it every week, somebody is going to get four right. Now, in uh, and, and, and sake of uh, being fair here, I'm trying to remember who it was, but one of our Twitter followers asked a legit question, and it's something we hadn't considered. He said, is this like the honor code? Are we all just entering one time? <laughs> Interesting. I, I hadn't thought of that. Good call. Yeah, I think you can, can't you only enter one time? With one email. I, I guess you, oh, could, you, could uh, set up, you could set up a couple burner accounts is what We Jen's don't need no burners here. in here. If you no, listen, we do, the, we do the scouts, the honor system legit. here, all right? Scouts legit. on Good one, question. One man, bringing up no one woman, accounts. one vote. I don't know why this. You guys see this thing on Zoom every time I keep putting my thumb up. What is that? Pop, I don't know. Yeah. I've never seen it before, but I'll take what it. Is that? Does it work for Owen? Invading here? That's Not weird. For the rest Does of it us. just work for me? Yes. That's Wait, bizarre. There now, look, there if you're watching on YouTube, you can see this now. If I do thumbs down, does it do thumbs down? Oh, my gosh. It oh, does. Do horns Dude. down. Do horns now, down. if I do the middle, okay, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, all right, horns down, frogs down. Do the cougs do anything with their hands? Can we do cougs down? They do this some week? H thing that's yeah. They I, do this one. Cougs I down. I need to break a finger to do it, but cougs down. That's right. Yeah. Oh my goodness, we're way off. I thought you were here. doing the dang old uh, emoji. No, I'm look oh, at this. Look, it just Owen. happened, to Owen too. You got now, well, see, I did that. 
through the reaction. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wasn't doing anything. I just every time I throw up a thumbs up here on Zoom, it did it again. It did it again. Like, How do I take that off? Now? So easily entertained. Hilarious. <laughs> I feel like uh, I feel like Walking Phoenix and Gladiator when he has to like give the thumbs oh, up yeah. or thumbs down yeah. approval, and the whole crowd is waiting for. Now the great controversy down. about about those emperors was was thumbs down down death or was thumbs up death because it's depending on which right is right exactly that's a, that's a point of great debate, but. Well, first of all, we apologize for the last 90 seconds for those listening and not watching. Yeah, just, uh, you know, if you're into the audio version of this podcast, we apologize for wasting 90 seconds of your life there with our goofy emojis on the screen that we you, time you will never first get back. We work, first, we work in anti-penultimate, and then we do that. So, yeah, we're up for um, Updated standings for you as well, too. Skylar will throw them on the board here, but I am still in first place. Gap is closing 21 points for Euler, 16 for Big O. Skyler with 12 hanging around there with Geno Smith as well, too. And Jed is on the board, Stedman Bailey style, with three points of his own. All right, let's get into the picks for this week, week seven of the college football season already. Big O, who's the beer trucking offense of the week? Baby, I'm going with the Jayhawks. Going to whip Smoky State, but Poon Pickens, Boone Pickens, the Boone Pickens Stadium, and they about to run all over them Cowboys, dog. I like it. Good pick. End it. End it. And Big O's looking. He's he's coming for that top spot. Sharks in the water. Daniels, I'm telling you right now, I'm going for a seven. Going for a seven, baby. Yeah, you're going. You better to look out, dog. You get that seven, and you might find yourself in first place next week. Uh, Jet, you up, son. <laughs> Jet, get John Williams <laughs> on the line. We need a new. We need a new score written here for the show. Uh, Jed, your signal caller, offense of the week. Who's going to throw for the most yards in the conference? I want to tell you that's a that's a fascinating game because Kansas could continue down a pretty solid path with a good. That'd be a nice road win for them. Uh, Oklahoma State righted the ship after the bye week. Big win last week. But if Okie State pulls an upset, they might have turned a bit of a corner after that South Alabama loss. So uh, I was going to roll with Oklahoma. Uh, I was going to keep rolling with them. But instead, I'm going to go ahead and curse uh, Texas Tech. I, I considered cursing Houston, but then I was afraid that they would just run for a bunch of yards if I if I cursed their passing game. So uh, I'm going to put my jinx, if you're looking on YouTube here, I'm putting my fingers crossed. I'm going to jinx and hex, blah, 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 blah. I shake the, I shake the, uh, the hex up and I throw it. I throw it straight on Texas Tech. So Baron Morton, poor guy, I'm throwing my hex right on you. I'm throwing it on you. Kenny Powers style. You know the, you know the rolling the dice dance move Kenny Powers does? I'm, I'm going to roll in the hex dance move and throwing it at Baron Morton. That's what I'm doing. His so, only move. Morton, you are hexed. You are hexed to throw for the fewest yards because I picked you to throw for the most. You are at home in Lubbock against Kansas State. You poor fellow. Let's see how this goes for you. Yeah, Jed, you're on the board now, though. So maybe some of that curse is where maybe as we get close to Halloween here, you're turning uh, from a witch into a wizard. We'll see how it goes here. Uh, Skyler stepping up to the plate here big time, baby. And uh, taking WVU as his Big 12 offense of the week. I absolutely love it. He thinks the Mountaineers are going to go down there and put a hurt, and we'll show old Dana a thing or two about offense, baby. As uh, Skyler going with the mighty Mountaineers as his Big 12 offense to score the most points of the week. I love it. If Skyler is correct, I really like our chances on Thursday night, <laughs> without a doubt there. And then defense of the week, gentlemen, uh, I had to think about this one for a minute. I was a little torn. I thought about taking WVU, uh, but I'm going to go with Cincinnati uh, at home against Iowa State. Iowa State um, has struggled to put up points for the most part of this season. I think Cincinnati's really good on their defensive front. I think that'll give Iowa State some troubles. Low scoring one there in Ohio. I'm going to go with the Bearcats as my Big 12 defense of the week. That's another game right there that just like we talked about Kansas, Oklahoma State, whoever wins that, that that's that's kind of a desperate game for both those teams. If Iowa State wins it, you're stacking pennies. That's two in a row trying to turn that corner yourself and make something out of the season. Cincinnati, things are are starting to go in a bad way for them. So this, this might be their, their last opportunity for a couple weeks uh, with a home game. So interesting matchups there. All, all these things are fascinating. 
They absolutely are. So there you go. We've given our picks. We've given the updated standings. You guys, once again, we want you involved as well, too. Somebody's got to be Neil Armstrong, all right, and be the first man on the moon on our Twitter page, at In The Gun Podcast, on X, on Twitter, whatever Elon Musk decides to call it this week. That is where you can get involved with our spreadsheet. It's real simple. All you do, your name, your email, that's it, your four picks. It will take you 30 seconds. And uh, if you are the first to plant your flag on the moon of the ITG Pick'em, uh, you'll get a Owen Schmidt signed rookie card and some other cool things as well, too. So don't be Buzz Aldrin. Be Neil Armstrong. Be the first one to get four out of four here. Somebody's got to do it. I got a feeling it's going to happen this week. Thank you to our friends at Toothman Ford. JR, of course, the man, the myth, the legend for putting on, uh, helping us present this episode of ITG. We all know cars cost less in Grafton, so get your butts to Grafton for all of your vehicle needs. We're going to take a break here, and we're talking some Cougs on the other side. You are in the gun. Nobody supports the Blue and Gold Mountaineers like Toothman Ford. With over 20 NIL deals and counting, Toothman Ford continues to rally behind our student-athletes. And it's time we rally and support the dealer that supports the Mountaineers. Not only does Toothman Ford offer the best prices in the state on pre-owned, their never-over MSRP campaign on new Fords guarantee to save you thousands. Drive with pride all season long, knowing you're supporting the dealer that fuels our Mountaineers. Toothman Ford, where cars cost less. In Grafton and at ToothmanFord.com. For more West Virginia Mountaineer football content, be sure to follow us on Twitter at In the Gun Podcast. For nearly 20 years, Fortis has been the nation's leader in providing guaranteed roof performance programs for commercial buildings. Fortis offers roof performance solutions that feature extensive initial and ongoing reconditioning for commercial buildings as an alternative to traditional replacement with long-term performance guarantees that are backed by global leader Lloyds of London. Fortis offers a comprehensive range of roof performance management programs that provide financial security, extend the life of our customers' roofs, and make a significant impact on ROI. Fortis is currently improving performance and increasing ROI for customers at more than 4,800 locations, with more than 140 million square feet protected, including many Fortune 500 companies that have turned to Fortis to save money, gain financial certainty, and extend the life of their existing roofs. Fortis has helped customers save more than $520 million in capital roof replacement costs for an average ROI of over 250%. To learn more, visit Fortis.us.com. Fortis, roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. Let's go, Mountaineer fans. You're tuned in to In the Gun with Wes, the runaway beer truck, and the signal caller. Back in the gun here as we get you ready for a Thursday night showdown. For the first time, these two programs are going to meet. A uh, long history of football, of course, in Morgantown. Long history of football down in Houston. This will be the first time the Cougars and the Mountaineers have met on the gridiron. It'll happen down there in Houston. I was laughing, guys. I was listening to Dana's press conference. Of course, former WVU head coach Dana Holgerson, uh, now still at the helm of the Houston Cougs. I was listening to him on Monday. And uh, he was talking about how he was like, I'm shocked they didn't. Sorry, hold on. Let me let me honor Dana correctly here. I'm shocked. I'm shocked they didn't uh, have this game up in Morgantown. I thought for sure we were going to be playing up in Morgantown this year. Um, so maybe not quite. Uh, this It might have been taken ratcheted up a little bit more in terms of uh, the hype if it was in Morgantown. But still, first time these two programs are playing. New Big 12 opponent. A familiar face on the, on the sideline in terms of Dana Holgerson and a lot of his staff there as well, too. Uh, a lot of guys like Tony Mathis and Mike O and, and, and Sam, you know, recently of this parish in Morgantown now playing for Houston as well, too. So a lot to sink our teeth into on this one, Mr. Jedgar Allen Poe. Where uh, where should we begin? Where does this matchup uh, begin on Thursday night? Well, Penn State has the whiteout. And at Houston, the big deal, the big game is the blackout. That's when, in previous years, they had the big win over SMU. They've done some big things in this blackout environment. Uh, now, West Virginia, strangely enough, just a couple weeks ago, uh, we were in Fort Worth for a blackout. And it was kind of neat. You know, you look up, uh, first of all, TCU's decked out in all black. Uh, but you look behind you, and the, and the student section had a lot of fun and a lot of Darth Vader costumes. But, of course, we were Luke Skywalker to their Darth Vader, right? 
you know, we didn't we didn't flinch at that. So we're stepping into something that that Houston to them this is this is kind of a big deal game, irrespective of who they might be playing, because it is that blackout game. And I think they kind of do where, where they're sitting at two and three. They really don't have a signature win, knock on wood, this year. Uh, so they they kind of need that shot in the arm and that energy. Uh, but but here's what you got. I, I want to start with some some big picture talk. And one of the things that I did during the bye week was I I looked at some different numbers. In other words, the cracks between the keys kind of numbers. When when you stop and consider, for, even from a hidden yardage standpoint, this isn't really offense, defense, special teams. It's kind of all three. Well, from a hidden yardage standpoint, this is some of the things West Virginia has quietly been doing this year that we weren't doing last year and previous years to win that starting field position battle, which right now the advantage we have in starting field position is among the national leaders. And that is often a stat that can dictate your chance of success in a football game more so than any other, maybe outside of turnovers. But when you look at tackles for loss allowed, okay, this year we're allowing nine, excuse me, 14 yards lost per game. And this will start to add up. 14 yards lost per game, tackles for loss. Last year, we were allowing 19. So right there, that's technically a plus five. In other words, five moving in the right direction. It's not a math equation, a math problem here. 14 instead of 19. So that's five yards you picked up there. Let's go to penalty yards per game. This year, 33 penalty yards a game. Last year, 53. That's another 20 yards. So now you're plus 25 in hidden yardage. Punt return yards a game, the Preston Fox factor. 27 punt return yards a game versus last year, six punt return yards a game. Now, that doesn't account for even the ones that he's not catching that might give them a couple extra yards. So that's another 21 yards. So just in those three categories alone, there's there's a host of different ways to measure hidden yardage. But these are some of the things that you start to factor in that's 46 yards in our favor that we're gaining from a field position standpoint each time out that a year ago we weren't gaining. That is how you win close football games. That is how you start to put yourself in position to come out on top when you're talking about these one possession football games. So I just thought that was kind of from a big picture standpoint. Uh, I thought that was fascinating to look at that. But if you want to start diving into the matchups, West Jed, and real golf. quick, yeah, go ahead. And real quick, I'd also like to add, I think what we're doing differently as well is we're scoring more points than the opposing teams and the time is running out. That's true. And... That helps too. <laughs> <laughs> that does tend to help. That does tend to help. I need the yeah. advanced analytics on how often you win when you have more points than the other team when the time runs out. I mean, I yes. mean that's that's plain and simple. I mean, we're just Owens. Owens. The, Owens in a mood today. I tell you, uh, those are the differences, man. No, but the hidden the hidden analytics, absolutely. But I mean, we're straight up. We're whipping people right now. We're we're playing good. We're not whipping. Yeah. I'm just saying we're playing solid solid football right i'll put this in in football terms to jed's analytics we're playing really well and we're doing all the little things really well as well that's as well we're winning as well and you know that's the difference between uh, a 24 to 21 win this year and a 38 to 31 loss last year Mm -hmm. how do you impact what plays out on the scoreboard these are the types of things that contribute to that outcome. So, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of positives to be gained in that. And uh, when, when you start looking at West Virginia's offense, I mean, the conversation is going to start with, okay, Houston has struggled mightily on the defensive side of the football. In total defense, they're 14th in the Big 12. They're, they're 12th in both pass defense, rush defense. And what you see is when you study them on tape, You'll see some odd front configurations, some even front configurations. They're multiple with Doug Belk. Uh, Doug's a guy who, you know, a lot of us knew him when he was on staff here with Dana. I always loved Doug. I always thought he was a great coach. He, uh, he's, he's made a name for himself very quickly. And just a couple of years ago, they were number six in the country in 2021 with what they called that third ward defense that he had built. 
they were winning with defense at Houston. And what struck me the most was Dana as a head coach uh, and as a guy who was organizing things with Shannon Dawson offensively, they were calling games in such a way as to help Doug Belk out, which is something you didn't see a lot of at West Virginia out of Dana. So he was demonstrating growth, as you might expect. Dana's a smart guy, right? I mean, say what you want about Dana Holgerson. He's he's always been a very smart guy. And anybody that's ever spent any time around him can tell you that. So, of course, he's going to grow. Of course, he's going to learn from past mistakes, and he's going to get better. So let's go small ball here and start looking at this. One of the things I always like to look at are, are situational football, okay? So, in other words, red zone situations and third down situations. Well, from a red zone standpoint, I, I I toss out the red zone scoring opportunities and just dial in and focus on touchdowns scored. What's your touchdown rate in the red zone? Well, West Virginia offensively, that's something we struggled with last year. Uh, we shot ourselves in the foot by leaving a lot of points and opportunities on the table and not making the most once we breached other teams 20. Well, for a number of reasons, the physicality up front, the dimensions we have in the run game, the versatility of the quarterbacks, the fact that we have tight ends emerging, there's different things that have made us a different offense than we were a year ago. So right now we're scoring at a clip of 72%. That's winning football. Owen, those are the type of numbers you guys posted in the red zone. 72% touchdown rate through five games. This isn't an aberration. It's not through two or three games. It's not because of a weak opponent that you went five for five. So you're almost to a halfway season point with 72%. That's good enough for number four in the Big 12 offensively, your touchdown rate. Again, don't be misled. Sometimes if you don't live in this world, you can be misled by sometimes like sports information directors will post things about we're number one in the Big 12 and scoring. Well, West Virginia was number one in the Big 12 last year in red zone scoring. Where'd that get us? That's scoring, counting mm-hmm. field goals. That's the Casey Leg effect, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, Casey Leg was great in the red zone, but we needed more touchdowns. So this year we're getting more of those touchdowns. So the touchdown rate. Now, Houston, how do they do defensively when the field shrinks and constricts and they got to make plays down there? They're giving up 76% touchdowns. That's 14th out of 14 teams in the Big 12. So that's a matchup that, again, coming in, you would think would favor us. Now, I try and focus on that when I'm studying tape to see when the field shrinks from a situational standpoint. What are they doing differently? Well, it's not so much what they're doing differently. They haven't tackled real well. They have more missed tackles than any team in the Big 12. And that shows up on tape, and I want it shows up in the red zone. So that's something that's going to matter. And then if you continue down the situational path, one of the things that has helped us on one side of the ball, we'll get to that in a bit, but has hurt us on the other side of the ball, is third down efficiency. I mean, for all the things we're doing well offensively, including time of possession, we're taking the long way around to do it because we haven't been a very effective third down offense. We're, we're converting at a 32% rate. That's not nearly good enough. That's 13th in the Big 12. Most alarming is the fact that by and large, and I'll have a, get these numbers again crunched at, uh, we'll discuss at a later time. I'm going to talk about it in the broadcast on Thursday night. But one of the things I look at is how often are you in third long? How often are you in third and intermediate? Because if, if you're a team that's winning, but you're in third and long all the time, to me, that's unsustainable. That's going to catch up to you, okay? Yeah. Well, West Virginia has been in a lot of third and intermediate situations or even third and short situations. We've managed by and large to avoid third and longs. That's the good news. The bad news is we haven't been nearly effective enough in those third and intermediates and even those third and shorts. So the opportunities are there, but the numbers and the success rate is not nearly what it needs to be when you're talking third and four, third and five, third and six, when you're talking third and one, two or three. So we're avoiding the third and sevens or longer. That's great news, but we need to be more efficient with those shorter or more manageable opportunities. We haven't done that. Now, Houston, again, the good news is they've struggled on third down defensively. They're allowing a conversion rate of 41%. That's 11th in the Big 12. Conceptually, they'll throw some different looks at you. Uh, They'll try and pressure you, as teams often do, but that's more in third and long than it is third and intermediate. But to me, guys, that's the script. And Dwight and I have talked about this on the game broadcasts. When, when you look at it from a situational standpoint offensively, what can you do to improve those figures when you're setting the stage for success, but you're not following through? 
Ball security, we've been terrific, okay? Uh, game management, we've been terrific in terms of playing keep away. We've avoided critical penalties, those self-inflicted wounds that hurt us so much a year ago. We've been smart about all those things. We're, I, I, I have an interesting stat here. When you, when you look at the effectiveness of what we've done from a penalty avoidance standpoint, uh, we don't have a single holding penalty that we've been called for on a pass play all year. So, again, we're five games in. It's not like we're Army and we played two games and thrown it 12 times. So that's effective technique up front. We're avoiding those penalties, those, those ones that we complained about, those third and one false starts that make it third and six. They haven't been there this year again, knock on wood. So from an efficiency standpoint, that's all good news. But, Owen, we got to find a way to continue scoring in the red zone. But more so than anything, third and four, third and five, you've got to find a way to make those and convert those and move the chains. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. Got to get more efficient at that. And I'm really interested to see kind of how we come out this week after having the bye and, you know, getting a little freshness in us a little bit. You know what I mean? Getting those bumps and bruises healed up. Hopefully we've had an answer for all that stuff here and uh, we'll see tomorrow night. And you know, what's interesting, Wes, when I say last in the big 12, this just provides some context. It speaks to, we preached about the style of play and how it's been transformed in recent years in the big 12. It's no longer this high flying Baker versus Patrick Mahomes, 60, 66, 59, big 12. It's no longer the Geno versus Baylor, 70 to 63, big 12. So Houston is dead last in the Big 12 in total defense. They're allowing 406 yards. If you go back to 2016, you know the team that was dead last in the Big 12, what they were allowing just seven years ago? At the peak, I would say. Probably uh, probably about 100 yards more a game. 150. 554 yards a game. This is a different sport that we're playing in this league now. So the game has shrunk. Uh, teams are approaching it much differently. Physicality matters a little more. And that's the type of thing that we're built for on both sides of the football. But when you look at Houston defensively, yes, they're last in the Big 12, somewhat misleading, and it's only 406. It's not one of these eye-popping numbers. Uh, they're also last in scoring defense, giving up 30. But they're also last in those rhythm-based plays that allow you to find your rhythm offensively, those plays of 10-plus yards or more. They're allowing 16 of those types of plays a game. Wow. That's where you, you have an opportunity, guys. I always say that if you face a defense like that, if you're if you're finding your rhythm on offense, that means first down, first down, take a shot. So for a team that's starved for big plays like West Virginia is offensively, maybe that sets the table for mm. some of those big plays opportunities. You run a play, first down. You tempo another play, first down. Now's your shot play on third down. Is EJ Horton streaking on a crossing route, or uh, you know, has has uh, someone else, Devin Carter, found a way to slip past that back end? Whatever might happen, Owen. You know, I, I think that kind of does help you out. Uh, even opposing first downs, we that, that speaks to efficiency too. They're giving up more than any team in the league at twenty-two a game. TCU had thirty-five first downs in that win against Houston. They beat them thirty-six to thirteen, and they dominated that game. It really. They separate in the second half. Houston's had second half issues in their big 12 games. And, you know, that's one of the things we talked about these four newbies is, well, they have that depth issue, those depth problems that we had as a new big 12 member in 2012. Well, through a couple games, it might seem like it. They're 13th in the league or excuse me, 12th in the league in both passing and rushing. So they really don't have anything defensively so far to hang their hat on. Uh, West Virginia is the only team in the big 12 with zero penalty penalties on holding plays. We talked about that. We talked about the fact that Houston is missing a ton of tackles. Again, they were in a good place defensively two years ago among the national leaders in just about every key metric, including total defense, including rushing defense, passing defense, top 10 in total D, top 20 in, in uh, both rush and pass defense, but they lost a lot of talent, and then they kind of lost their rudder. And they lost their way. They plummeted to 105th in the country last year and really have kind of struggled ever since. But that doesn't mean that they don't have some guys that can create some problems for you. And there's some guys that you're going to have to account for. They have a couple guys at or around 300 pounds. You heard Neil talk about it in his presser this week. We know that in recent years, that's something Texas Tech kind of had our number with. Uh, 
So when you look at uh, the Holmes kid, I mean, he's 295 pounds. They have another kid that's 320 pounds. They'll he'll make plays in the interior. Another kid, 285, pushing 290. So we're going to have our hands full. Again, when they're shifting in and out of different fronts, odd and even, we're going to have our hands full. full. And remember, Tomas Remack is not playing this week. So that guy who was really developed into something special for us at left guard, you know, those subs and those twos are going to have to step in as they have in recent weeks, as they did in the second half last week, and do some stuff for us and make some things happen. It's a big opportunity. I mean, it, it really is. You know, I think, Jed, a lot of what you hit on there, um, some of those things, it's time to start getting moving in the right direction, right? Yeah. And when you're coming off your bye week, I forget who, I, I can't remember, and Jed, maybe you do, I, I can't remember if it was Chad Scott or who was was saying, someone was saying this, maybe it was Neil in his presser this week, was saying, you know, that CJ needed that reset. He's got a renewed energy and he's yeah. ready to go after the bye week. That helps you with all those things we were just talking about, right? You, you're able to win on first and second down. You set up third and two, third and one. You feel great about giving CJ the rock and being able to move those sticks. I think, you know, it, it's it's been great to see how this team has found a litany of different ways to win games. And, and we've gone through all of that and kind of how the story's been different every game. Maybe this is the week where you go out there and you score 30 points, right? And And you don't have to have a dynamite performance from your defense um, I would, I wouldn't hate to see this to be the week that, uh, you know what? Like we don't always have to lean on our defense. Maybe they can give up 24 points or 27 points and we can still go out there and score in the thirties and be just fine. I, I think it's a big opportunity for this offense. You know, Garrett has had some time now after the crazy start to the season with his injury and missing time and all that a little time to settle down. Hopefully he's fully healthy again now too. get him and CJ going hit a couple of those big plays like you mentioned that we've been starving for. And let's uh, let's really see this offense take a step forward on Thursday night. Yeah, and as a player, uh, you know, they it's time to get back out to football. You know what I mean? It, the the hiatus has been nice. You know, you've, you've been able to ice. You, be, you know what I mean? You've been able to clean up. You've been – but guess what? You watched college football last week, you know, and something was missing. You know what I mean? Something was missing a little bit, you know, and you got a short week here. I guarantee they're hungry to get out there, um, you know, with with Dana being here recently, you know, hey, you know, give them a nice warm welcome to the Big 12 from West Virginia. Uh, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be some, they're going to be flying around a little bit. And like you said, oh, sure. hopefully this week is when they just start to kind of crack open a little bit. Uh, and and really start doing big picture everything really well. I think so. Uh, what do you what do you remember about coming off of bye weeks as a player? Because we'll I got a couple more points to make about the offense, then we'll switch sides of the ball here. But what do you remember about that? Yeah, I think the biggest thing was, you know, it always it always kind of mattered when it was too. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I always hated a bye early on in the season because it was like you know, especially two games in and then he had a bye. It's like, man, yeah. feel like it's kind of wasted a little bit, you know, but for some people that happens in the scheduling. Uh, but I think with the blows, you know, the kind of how we've got, I mean, we're five games in, right. We're four and one. We're two and oh in the conference. We've seen a little bit of comp conference play, not much, but we've, we've played some, some worthy opponents. We've had one tune up game. Um, well, I say worthy, but Pitt was kind of trash. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they're just you know, it's not good season for them. But anyways, I'm glad we beat the hell out of them. Well, I'm glad we beat them. We didn't beat the hell out of them. We beat, double we digits. Them you know what I mean? Exactly. So, but I think for me, coming off a of bye week, you know, the way our teams always played, anyways, was very physical. Mm -hmm. So that buy was nice. Usually the coaches, depending on the season, which we always had, you know, really good years. Um, we weren't going crazy, you know, balls to the wall, trying to kill each other uh, in those practices um, during the buy, you know, it was kind of cleaning th some things up. Um, getting healthy was the most important thing. I think staying, getting fresh again, fresh legs is super important. And when you're in a bye week, as a coach, I think it's the hardest thing for the coaches really to plan out properly with workouts and and uh, practice plans 
not overdoing it to the point where you know you're rolling into after the bye week and you're you're, you're kind of like you didn't really get the break you know what i mean you're kind of exhausted yeah. a little bit so you know and i obviously i haven't been there jed i don't know if you've gotten to see much of what's kind of been going on or, or at least heard um how they've you know what the demeanor's been like in practice i'm sure they've been getting after it i'm not saying like you just you know soften up but it's just in my opinion the most important thing is getting right and right now we we needed to get right we had guys that were down yeah um and guys who needed treatment and 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 guys that we need to finish the season strong you know because yeah. now we're going into conference play and it's it's going to be dog fights you know like you said the, the the league has changed it's a more physical league uh, like you said, we're built a little bit more for that, obviously, but playing physical has its disadvantages, just like its advantages. And the one disadvantage is guys do get banged up just because it is a physical hard game. Um, but as a player, like, you know, I'll keep rambling on here, but as a player, I think the biggest thing, the most important thing is to set a, set a smart practice plan, get healthy um stay off your feet as much as you can get those fresh legs so that when you come into this next game you're rolling on all cylinders like you never like you never had a buy and we talked about the physicality of this stretch of games you know four of those five games were were physical matchups yeah they were hard fought games and they they took a lot out of both sides and uh i mean in both in four of those five games there were there were guys dropping on both sides especially yeah. in the second half and and oh, oh, you make a great point. Like, I, I remember one week we had a bye week. Strangely enough, the way it was set up in the national playoffs, we played a game in Montana. And uh, and then we had to have a bye week before our semifinal game against Hugh Douglas in Central State. And Rich was breaking up fights because we just wanted to get back at it, right? That was a poorly placed bye week. But in this case, I mentioned Tomas is out. Wyatt's going to be a game time decision with the eye i mean there there was physicality and i mean outside of the duquesne game and even in the early portion it there was some but these were four hard fought games against those other teams and so when you look at the style of play this is one of the things i was alluding to earlier these are four things that help you win football games uh through five games only two power five teams have done all four of these things suffered five or fewer turnovers great ball security committed fewer than 20 penalties, smart football, scored touchdowns, touchdowns on over 70% of their offensive red zone trips and held opponents to less than 40% touchdowns on their red zone trips. Those two teams, West Virginia and Michigan. Hmm. You can win some football games playing that style. Now that said, to give you some context, I, I did some research during the bye week. WVU has three straight wins. We have four overall, but three more to the point. With yardage totals, 211 yards against Pitt, 256 yards against Texas Tech, and only 343 yards against TCU. All three games under 350. When's the last time the Mountaineers won three straight games with less than 350 yards? Well, we just happened to have the number one ranked defense in the nation. It was 1996 when we knocked off East Carolina with only 267 yards, Purdue with only 279, and Maryland with 250 in succession. I so, saw you tweet that this week. That's great. Okay. And it's nice to know that when we drag these teams into these rock fights that they don't want to be part of, they're in our alley. That's great. But there's also going to be a different type of game that eventually you have to find a way to win. Yeah. Now, I've said before, what we're morphing into has a feel and a vibe of the teams that Neil's teams at Troy had when he won 30 games in three years. It, as somebody who studied that way too intensely when he was hired, Neil won these types of grinded out ugly rock fights, ugly by those who don't appreciate football in all the right ways, right? But he also had wins of 52 to 31, 37 to 31. He won bowl games, 42 to 32, 50 to 30. Is this the week that we need to emerge? 
I mean, you're hoping that the defense still can hold the other team, in this case, Houston, by the collar and not let them drop 30-some points on you. But sometime, that's that's probably going to be too much of an ask for the defense, and the offense is going to have to come and, and do their share of bailing out. So, yeah, we're winning with all three phases. We talked about the hidden yardage in the field position. But those are the types of things that you have to consider. You're going to win a lot of games rock bite style, but not maybe as many as you want to. When you start looking at the end of great seasons that we talk about for years, yeah, there's a lot of those types of wins in there. But there's wins of all varieties in there. You know what's in there? A lot of wins that you – probably two or three wins. When you have a special season, there's two or three wins that you're like, man, we really dug down deep and found some innovative, unusual, crazy ways to win that. So that might come in the form of a rock fight, which we already have a growing list of, but it's also probably at some point going to necessarily have to come in the form of some kind of shootout or semi shootout or whatever it might be, something where you emerge with some big plays. And that's why we talked about, is this the week that we hit our rhythm and take those shots and hit some of those shots and start to find some of that, that, that little oomph on the offensive side of the football. And, and that's, what I kind of wanted to close with on the offensive side before we pivot into the defense, but what are your guys thoughts on that? I mean, offensively, we have to, we're not there offensively in my opinion yet, a hundred percent. Like we're, we're leaving so much on, you know, the top end with the wide receiver game. Uh, Our tight end is just now starting to really, I would, I wouldn't even say, really get involved he's somewhat gotten involved you know what i mean that in my opinion as a as a play caller i'm like this guy needs 10 targets like we need to we need to target this guy on at least 10 plays we need to try to get him the ball 10 times a game we need to you know and those are going to be like your your short and mediums right the 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 medium range throws and stuff like that uh, and, and then we got to be able to, we have to be able to throw the deep ball at some point. It doesn't have to be all game long, but we have to be able to, and, and definitely down the stretch here. Okay. You have to be able to do that. Um, and like I said, it doesn't have to be a ton, but it would like to see, you know, five deep shots at least, you know what I mean? In, in, in the course of a game. And then, you know, you're going to have your, all your kind of like medium throws as well uh, on, and, and underneath, but like we have to start using all of the field instead of just using, you know, two thirds of it, in my opinion. That's just, I always kind of always looked at breaking football down into like sections and saying like, look, this is how I, like our shots need to be here and there. And, and there has to be uh places where you're trying to get the football and take advantage of just the the entire field as a space as a whole or a grid, like, you know, why they call it a gridiron, um, Mm -hmm. just how it was looked at back in the day. But, you know, we, we have to, we have to get those things clicking. And if if, if we can't, um, I, I see us still playing good football, but maybe just getting to that point where we said, Hey, you know, eight and four, uh, seven and five type deal, uh, you know, maybe even six and six. Um, but if we can still evolve, you know what I mean? Defense keeps evolving, keeps playing good offensively, special teams wise, you know, that evolution as well, but offensively our wide receivers, hopefully this week, I mean, and, and at, at some point as a player, you know, you got to just take control and be the guy. You got to be the dude. You know what I mean? You have to be the dude and you have to understand like, this is what's going to help our team win. Yeah. And uh, Owen, you're really onto something. I mean, we've managed to get the four and one against one of the toughest schedules in the country by small balling our way to it offensively because we've had exceptional defense, but you've done some situational things so well, you've avoided turnovers yeah, uh, we're second in the Big 12 with time of possession. We're scoring touchdowns in the red zone. But at some point, that's not going to be enough. You can't yeah. be 13th in your conference of 14 teams in third down efficiency and get to where you want to get. You just can't yeah. do it. That's yeah. defying too much. 
So you can't do that over the arc of time. You can't be a team that ranks 11th in scoring offense. You can't be dead last in the league uh, in plays of 10-plus yards, 20-plus yards, 30-plus yards, 40-plus, and stop me when you see a a trend emerging, 50-plus yards. You need some big plays. Now, those might come in the form of shot plays. And and they could be runs, too. I didn't mean to just put that on wide receivers. How about this? How about on an RPO? Yeah. When the conflict defender drops down and Garrett chooses a slant, the guy that catches the slant actually makes somebody miss and picks yeah. up big yards. Well, we so need that, that yak. You need some of that blended in with your shot plays. Yeah. And you need CJ making that guy miss and hitting those big runs that he hit last year but hasn't this year. Yeah. You need more out of Jaheim White. You need yeah. Jalen starting yeah. to do some of that. You, all these things are going to have to come together. In other words, if, if we're talking at the end of the year that we're not 13th in the Big 12 uh, in third down efficiency, that we've managed in the last seven games to climb into the top six, whoa, you're cooking with gas. If you found that you've climbed into the top half of the league in 40-yard plays or even 30-yard plays, you're really on to something. But right now, none of those things have happened. And the reason these games have been down to the wire and as close as they've been, and we've managed just to to and winning's hard, no matter what you do. Yeah. Winning is never easy. Okay, so let's drop any any discussion about that. Winning's always hard, but the reason that it's played out the way it has is because of some of the opportunities that we kind of sort of left on the field. Now the team that we beat is talking about the opportunities they left on the field. That's the nature of football, but we focus on us. And had we converted more third downs and maintained the football at TCU and given ourselves more opportunities, or we converted more third downs in the, in the Texas tech game or the pit game, it would have played out differently. It wouldn't have been so difficult down to the fourth quarter, the way that it played out. If we can make some big plays now, it's great to avoid the turnovers. It's great to avoid the penalties, but even at some point, if you try and make a living with 10 and 12 play drives, to, to breach the red zone and score that way, that's too much to ask of an offense. At some it's point, tough. you got to bail yourself tough. out with a three-play drive. You yeah, just have very to tough. do it. And those drives have to warrant some points. Yeah. And you have to get to that point. We're nowhere near where we need to be on the offensive side. What we have right now is an offense that was good enough to defy the odds and get us to four and one against an incredibly difficult schedule. Now, you have to have an offense that gets better to get us to the next five in similar fashion, because it's just at some point, the weight, the yoke of what you're carrying uh, offensively, you're making it too difficult. You're asking too much of your special teams and your defense. It, it's great to have that style. We can be a run first team. You guys were a run first team. Absolutely. Okay? You can do all those things, but pick up the, you have the efficiency and penalty avoidance. You have the efficiency and ball security. These things then past years, would have had us at one and four or two and three instead of four and one. We've remedied those. Now let's take the next step and go from good to great. And one of the ways you got to do that is really, really start to master these third down situations. You're already setting the table. You you did the hard part. You're not facing a bunch of third and longs, right? Yeah. You have a bunch of third and manageables. Yeah. Now do the easier part and cash in on those opportunities that you've already created for yourself. So let's hit some big plays. And let's start moving the sticks on third down. And what better week to try and do it than against a team that's struggling in both those areas. Agree. It's football in 2023, right? I mean, just eventually you're going to have to score points. That's the nature of the beast at every level, particularly college in the NFL. You guys, everything you just said is absolutely correct. And uh, again, this feels like the week to take that step forward. You don't have to be your finished product here, you know, and what's going to be your halfway point of the season. Um, but you got to start getting better in this. This seems like the time to do it. I'm with you guys on all of that. All right. Uh, we got about 10 minutes here before I got to run for some, some job responsibilities. <laughs> so let's, let's spin the block and get to the other side here. Jed, what do we got? Let's oh, wait, real quick, real quick. Before we do, uh, thanks to Rick Lewis and our guys at Fortis for presenting this episode of ITG as well, too, for roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. Visit Fortis.us.com. All right, Jed, other side of the ball. What do we got here? Again, when we small ball it and look at West Virginia's defense versus Houston's offense, 
uh, Dane is going to give you what you expect Dana to give you. There's some big plays opportunity. He's going to game plan matchups. He he did that in all the games that I've watched, including against TCU, even in that loss. He was still making plays with some of his key personnel. His receiving room is legit. From Sam Brown on down, they go three or even four deep with legit players that can hurt you. So you better be on high alert on that back end. Okay, remember, we're without Trey Lathan, Ben Cutter making his first start. So you're going to be tested defensively. You're going to have to continue with that rotation up front. Let's talk about situational football and small ball here. In the red zone, touchdown rate. Offensively, Houston 63%. Nothing remarkable, kind of middle of the pack. Good enough to hurt you. West Virginia, this is one of the critical areas that we improved from last year to this year. First, we're putting a lid on the big plays. Second, when the field shrinks, we're making plays. We have the fewest missed tackles. We're tied for it in the Big 12. Anybody that's watched any tape, anybody that's watched the Mountaineers can speak to that, can echo that. When you get in the red zone, we're only allowing 38% touchdowns. That's good for fourth in the Big 12. That's winning football. Right there is winning football. That is a massive improvement over last year. And then when you talk about getting them off the field on third down, as I see both thumbs up from Wes, when you're getting them off the field on third down, well, Houston's offense, again, pretty good. (laughs) What was that? What was that? Is that New Year's? I did the double thumbs up, but I got a little fireworks. I tell you what, Zoom's keeping us on our on our toes today. Wow! <laughs> Holy cat! And we get nothing. We're trying both yeah. thumbs up. Well, he's on a. Up. You're on a Mac, right? I am on a Mac. Yeah, maybe yeah, that's, that's why what it is. Now, if I do double thumbs down, maybe my thumbs get... are just too big. Oh, oh, it's raining! It's raining, dude. I'm gonna have to get a Mac. This is hilarious. I've, I, sorry, I'm sorry to distract you there, Jen. I'm the we one. Who's hey, we don't even need Skyler anymore to do our graphics. We got it. We got. It. That's right. I'm the one who's over here. Like, hey, I got 10 minutes. Let's wrap this thing up. And throwing up thumbs on. I got fireworks hey, and rain. Hey, in the do back. one up, one down. All right. Whoa, what's that? I uh, just picked yeah, up one. I think I just picked up one of them. Anyways, and if you're listening, something's happening. <laughs> sorry. This is a family show, or else I'd give up the, the double birds and see what happens here. But this is a family program. Uh, as soon as all we right? stop taping, you're going to try it. But, uh, I, you're darn right. Okay. Uh, well, West Virginia continues to be number one in the Big 12 and third down defense. That's been critical in our success. So you talk about situational football on the defensive side, red zone where the field shrinks, we're making plays, we're holding them to threes or sometimes to zeros. And on third down, those critical transition downs, we're holding the opposition to 28% success rate on third down, best in the Big 12. We And part of that, we lead the league in 30 quarterback hits. All of last year, we had 22. Now, part of the problem, can we compensate for Trey Lathan, who led the team with eight? So he's going to be on the shelf the rest of the way. Quarterback knockdowns were way up there. These are the reasons that West Virginia has held the opposition opposing quarterbacks to 50% completion rate. That's the best in the Big 12. Think about these conversations, guys, we were having a year ago about these deficiencies on the defensive side. But let's talk about Houston's tendencies. When you think of Dana, you think maybe if you're not paying close enough attention, you think high flying, you think air raid. But there's a reason that years ago Dana said that – he was afraid that Mike Leach was going to take his air raid membership card away from him. Right now, Dana is throwing the football 56% of the time, running it 44% of the time. A year ago, when he had Clay Toon and Tank Dell, you might think he was more high-flying then. Nope, 55% pass, 45 rush. So he's held kind of stable. Even with Will Greer in 2018, that's kind of what he was doing here. Now, a lot of that was on Will reading those RPOs. He was 54% pass back then, 46 rush. So Dana has kind of become Dana. He sees the value of a run game. He started seeing it long ago. Even when he had Skyler, that's that's probably when he leaned into it the most. That's when we were most run heavy. We ran 57% of the time. But, yeah, Dana's going to try and run the football. He's going to try and present a balanced attack. And he has a trigger man in Donovan Smith that he's rushed for 19 first downs. He's a legitimate dual threat. Uh, now, you can get to him. They've allowed the most sacks in the Big 12 or up towards the most, but they've seemed to have rectified that in the last couple of games and shored some things up. But uh, a lot to consider there. But West Virginia, this might be the week also. Uh, we lead the Big 12 in dropped INTs, the third most in the country with seven. 
it's great to be in position to drop those because last year we didn't have a problem. We only had four all year. But now that you're in position, Beanie and otherwise, Beanie, by the way, leading the Big 12 in passes defended, passes pass breakups. So in a game of matchups, I'm curious or somewhat concerned to see what Dana might do as a creative guy. He's studying the same tape that I am. And from a matchup standpoint, there's going to be something that, that he likes. There always is. So, uh, I, I mean, that's the thing to consider. I, again, something else to throw out from Donovan Smith. He combined for 61 completions between games four and five. That led all power five quarterbacks. So that's from the Houston game notes. Now, it might sound like cherry picking, but I'll tell you what, that's pretty robust, those numbers. So cherry picking or not, those are some pretty big cherries. And he has enough of a run game by committee. Uh, maybe one of the better left tackles in all of college football. It's just they have some deficiencies elsewhere. Those receivers are a problem. So keep a lid on it, rotate that D-line, make life difficult for them. And Wes, uh, in uh, in the spirit of, of trying to conserve some time, I'll jump right into some special teams talk so we can wrap up. Sure. Uh, again, we talked about it. West Virginia is the eighth least penalized team in the country. That needs to necessarily continue if we're going to win especially one on the road, Preston Fox, 15th in the country in punt returns. This is kind of our special teams and miscellaneous category. So uh, he's fifth among all players with double-digit returns in the country. We've come a long way with that punt return unit. Ollie Stroll, you're, you're, I like your, your, your buddy Tony has been calling him Pac-Man Fox. I love, Pac-Man I love, Fox, I, I, yeah. I love, I love that. Ollie Straw, uh, again, he's a sniper, 11 inside the 20. This is going to be hidden yardage situational football. He has five inside the 10. He's forced 10 fair catches, but uh, they got a, a pretty good one on their side too in Lane Wilkins. He leads the Big 12 in pinning you inside the 10. So, uh, I, I mean, these are all things to consider. We talked about the things that can help you win. We talked about the blackout game. Uh, be on high alert for Matthew Golden. He's one of only two big two players in the Big 12 to return a kickoff for a touchdown this week. And I'll wrap with this, guys. When you consider the effective nature or lack thereof, of either coach coming off a bye week. Well, Neil has won his last couple coming off a bye. Last year, the big win you guys were at and enjoyed uh, against Baylor in Morgantown. That was after a bye, or at least a semi-bye, these Thursday night games. It's my ticket stub, right? The ticket stub right there behind me from that Baylor. The first time Big O and I ever met, and boy, was it a night. (laughs) Thursday, excuse me, a TCU. The TCU win in 2021 was off a bye. That's the last couple. But Dana's had some success. He's won his last couple coming off a bye at uh, Houston as well. He was pretty good coming off byes at West Virginia. Even when you think back to some of those big wins in 2018, the K-State win was off a bye. The Baylor win was off a bye. So uh, a, a lot to digest and assimilate and pack in here. But but we are going to take, without question, uh, the Houston Cougars' best shot. I mean, they've had a week and a half to prepare for this. They're a desperate, wounded animal. I expect them to pull out all the stops. They're trying to energize their crowd, get them into this. It's the first ever matchup between these teams. Uh, it's Dana's former team. Uh, there's a lot of B-plot storylines to consider here. But, but uh, yeah, get down there. Two things travel and travel well. Effective defense, effective run game. We need to bring both those things, but build on those things and prove to be a more complete football team. And, and let's see if we can get to five and one Thursday night. Well said. Well said. I think you're right. Again, it's it it's been a lot of fun to see the litany of ways that this team has found to win games. And and you like a lot of the key indicators, but some of them as well, too. You got to start getting moving in the right direction. So I'm I'm with you. It's it's gonna be a juiced up, charged up atmosphere there. Um, you got two teams that I like, I don't think it's personal or hatred or anything like that, but just a lot of familiar faces, both in terms of the sidelines and the guys on the field. And that just brings out pride in you. And you, and you want to go and you want to have success against guys that, you know, guys you've been teammates with or coached with in the past. So a lot on the line, fellas. I mean, you win this one and then you get kind of a elongated week as well, too, to get ready for Oklahoma state at home and what's going to be a 3:30 kind of raucous atmosphere there i think at mountaineer field especially you know if you get the 5 and 1 uh that's going to be a, a juiced up crowd uh, like you said for Houston too Jed a lot on the line for them in terms of kind of salvaging their season here and, and having something to hang their hat on and to play for going forward uh, it's going to be a fun one i'm looking forward to it big uh, i tell you what it's a big one on thursday night oh man and it's a must win we got to win this game 
we got to go down there. We have to solidify who we are in this conference. And uh, if we are who we are, we'll take care of business. If we are who we ain't, it's going to be a long night. Jed, I just have one question for you before we go. Yes, sir. What's better than four and one? Five and one. Let's go get it done on Thursday night. That, that down deserves in two Houston. thumbs up, Wes. Go ahead. Give us some sparks. <laughs> we got to take a picture and tweet this. I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm getting sucked into the ether every time I do this. It's like there it is. Okay, I'm gonna tweet that. Fade into the background every single time. It's like, am I transparent? Am I a ghost? He looks, he looks fake. I do look fake. fake. I tell you. I tell like you what. I love it. You guys have love no idea who Max Headroom is, but <laughs> I do not. But that's a cool name, Max Headroom. I like that. I tell you what. Google. All right. This is uh this has been a lot of fun. 99, our final uh double digit episode here before we hit the century mark. That will happen on Phil Friday. Uh, I'm jealous. I mean, Skylar and Jed hitting the century mark with Phil. I tell you what, but that's a that's a great way for everything to come together there. Uh you guys will have to make sure you mention that to Phil. I'm sure he'll get a kick out of that as well, too. So uh again, a little bit of a different week. We took two what's usually two episodes and we kind of condensed them into one with the Mountaineers played on a Thursday. Uh this has been your pick and your preview episode. But again, Skyler and Jed will uh, catch up with Phil Steele, the czar of college football, as always, and have a little Phil Friday for you on hopefully what will be a victory Friday for all of us. Is, is that one dropping Friday or is that dropping Thursday? Bill okay, I was gonna say because you'll ask him about the game, so you'll yes, want that. So it'll be Phil Friday. Thursday. We're going to hold this preview for Friday. Phil will drop Thursday, so you have it out. Uh, Actually, excuse me, this preview will run Wednesday. Wednesday. Yes. Yes. Sounds good. And then, uh, who knows? Maybe with the Thursday game too. Maybe we'll. Maybe I can. I I could put something together. We could put something together quickly uh, for Friday or something like that to get out there for reaction as well too. But. Let's go get a W deep in the heart of Texas. Back-to-back games. Let's go down. It would be 3-0 against teams from Texas. I tell you what, looking for uh, looking for some blood down there in the Lone Star State. Um, so what's better than 4-1? and one? As Jed said, 5-1. and one. Let's go get it done. Lastly, the one thing that we ask of you, as always, is to be an ear and tell an ear about your new favorite WVU football podcast. Make sure you're getting involved with our Pick'em uh, on our Twitter account, In The Gun Podcast, again as well, too, if you want to be our Neil Armstrong. Uh, for Jed Drenning, the signal caller, and the runaway beer truck, Owen Schmidt. Of course, our fantastic producer slash co-host slash everything extraordinaire, Skylar Callahan, as well, too. I'm Wes Euler. Let's go get a W. Let's go Mountaineers. You've been in the gun. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.